the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Welcome, everybody. Uh, To those of you who are either listening on the radio or the podcast or watching the video cast, we are delighted that you're with us this morning to further explore examples of brothers and sisters in Christ who are being the hands and feet of Jesus in their lives, in their families, in their communities. And we, we interview them not, not to praise them or to lift up a person, but to give examples of people who are attempting to reach out to demonstrate the love of God to others and with the desire or the objective that their stories will, will be an inspiration to those who are listening or watching. And with me this morning, I have Jimba, who is, uh, that Jim, that almost sounds like a Southern nickname. Yeah, it does. If you put your first name, Jim, hey. and then Ba, yeah. your last name together. Jimba, I must be from Alabama somewhere. <laughs> well, that, that was my name in college. So I had a guy ask me if I was uh, named after an African chieftain because it sounded... Right. Sort yeah, of, uh, it's kind of exotic. Yeah, really, very, very exotic. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, Jim, uh, tell us who is Jim Ba. Well, it's so good to be with you this morning. I'm um, I'm a father. Uh, I'm a lover of Jesus. Uh, we have five children. Uh, just a few days ago, we had our ninth grandchild, and expecting oh, right. expecting the tenth. In a couple of weeks, so God said, "Fill the earth." I'm we jealous. Said, we said we'll do do the best we can. Um, I've also served in pastoral ministry for a number of years, and now uh, executive director of staff development for a ministry organization called Global Training Network. Okay, what is uh, what's the elevator speech of Global Training G- GTN? Yeah, Global Training well, Network. yeah, the the uh, the ten second elbow shot in the uh, elevator would be, we exist to train, equip, and encourage indigenous pastors in the emerging world. Amen. That sounds familiar. Yes. Well, okay, Jim, this interview is about being the hands and feet of Jesus. So it'd be interesting. How, How do you train your pastors to be that in their local context? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I I refer back to something that has uh, been modeled for me as a youth 
Um, there was a paving company. I think it was in Phoenix. I grew up in Phoenix, born in Phoenix. And uh, I can't remember the name of the paving company, but their byline or their subtitle was, we find needs and fill them, you know? Mm. And mm. so really the, the vantage point of, of being the love of Jesus is looking for the needs around you. I mean, legitimate needs. And um, so around the world, those needs are evident, whether it be needs for prayer, whether it be needs for food, whether it be needs for medical equipment, um, it's, it's, they're out right. there all over the place. And so we attempt to equip our pastors to not only uh, tell the gospel, but also demonstrate the gospel in very tangible ways. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if they do it, how does, in what way then do they motivate their people to do that? Right. It's, isn't it, it's a part of discipleship, isn't it? Um, the, uh, we can share our own personal stories. I mean, it's a lot better to share what God is doing in our lives rather than uh, tell folks what they should be doing. Um, but uh, to be able to share those personal experiences, share the scripture and, and, and talk about how we're called to love our neighbor and then uh, give them opportunity to prayerfully consider what the needs are in their village areas and to do what they can to meet them. During COVID, um, a lot of pastors and leaders around the world struggled, and as a result, their people in their congregation struggled and in their communities struggled just mm -hmm. to get enough food. So that's some of the things that we provided for um, and, and also encouraged our pastors and leaders to look for those physical needs and to meet them and see how we could connect, you know. Um, it's not about the West being the living ATM that provides whatever folks need, right, but right. but we have ministry partnerships around the world, and they might be the hands and the feet, and we might be uh, the funds that provide that help, as long as we're not developing some sense of of codependency. Dependency. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Good. Do you have any stories that you can tell us about? How that practically worked out during the COVID? Yeah, um, yeah, very much so. Um, because our training went to Zoom, uh, much like we're doing today, Bob, uh, with pastors and leaders uh, in the emerging world, we would also ask them what the need orientation was in their communities. And in southern Rwanda, for example, a pastor who they, they were completely closed off. They couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't get supplies. And so um, people could come in and drop supplies off. But anyways, they needed food. And so I was asked, Jim, is there any way that we can help? And I uh, thank God for Western Union and other means of, of providing funds. And so sent funds down and then got the pictures of the, the numerous bags of rice and beans that were purchased as a result. The same is, yeah, the same is true in Indonesia because these pastors are they're bivocational and because they couldn't work, things were shut down. They couldn't eat. Um, one of the stories I, I had of was, was a pastor selling his his cell phone, which is his means of connection mm. you know, for what? Ten dollars or something just to provide a meal for their family. And right. so um, we sent out. Uh, that information to our constituency, our supporters, 
and raised some funds and sent those funds, and they were distributed based on need. Hey, is that is that the area of Rwanda, which is on the border of the Congo, well, where the yeah. military conflict is going on? Um, there, we do have refugee ministries that are taking place up in uh, Gisenyi in the north, uh, Ruangari. Those aren't really hot spots, but um, the area that I provided funds or our ministry constituent provided funds for was down in the south, uh, below Nyanza. Right. Okay. All yeah, right. You know, you're getting closer to Burundi and those areas. Right. That's, you know, that's an area of real concern for Ab- those of absolutely who are involved in ministry. I mean, that, that country has had such a devastating history, oh, both Congo and Rwanda. And, and it's not over. You know, we see the, sin, <laughs> the effects of man's sin globally, don't we? And people struggling in Myanmar, formerly Burma, um, we have some partners and brothers and sisters there that the government goes in and just torches their village and kills right. folks. And yeah. it's, right. it's quite sad. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, Jim, let's, let's come back home. Okay. Here to the States. Um, how, how, how do you um, see the church of Jesus Christ here locally um, being equipped uh, to be Jesus' hands and feet. You were a pastor. Right. And maybe you have stories of, you know, how you did that as a pastor or what you're observing now. Yeah. Right now um, we have our full-time lead pastor up in Camp Verde, and so I'm just there to support as an elder. But um, really our MO is what can we do to serve? Again, find needs and fill them. What are the needs in your community? Look around and and it doesn't have to be even a community aspect. As as a follower of Jesus, look next door. <laughs> a lot mm. of times we want to go across the seas when it's just across the street. Right. Um, we have a dear woman who lives near to us, and she's experiencing the first lines of so de- of some dementia. And how how can we minister to her? Just even mm-hmm. to cut her grass, maybe pick her up and take her places. Um, I have a, a friend that I've uh, found who lives just down the road from me and uh, struggling with some emotional uh, stuff, depression and so forth. And he had an ankle injury. And I just thought, you know, I want to pray for this guy. Here, here's the interesting thing, Bob, is that 92 percent of Americans still believe in prayer. <laughs> so prayer is a non-denominational bridge that we can use just to say, can I pray for you? Amen. And, and, you know, 92%, 9.2% of the time, or excuse me, 92% of the time, people are going to go, absolutely. So that was the beginning of, of a relationship with him. And then I said, let's go out for breakfast. And we went out for breakfast. And then he said, hey, you know, what do you do and so forth? I mean, that always get, comes up. But uh, I said, has anybody ever taken you through the Gospel of John? I mean, it's—and so we begun that discussion. And right. just a few weeks ago, he gave me a hug, and he said, no one's ever done something like this for me before. Wow. And it wow. just just begins with that, hey, can I care for you? <laughs> uh, how about if we go to a restaurant, and the waitress or waiter comes, and as they're delivering food, say, you know what? Um, we do something that we just find very powerful, and it's just—it's prayer. 
Is there any, yeah. anything yeah, we can pray for you about? It really raises a question in my yeah, mind. Man. I want to ask you the yeah. question. He said, nobody has ever done this for me. Right. How is it possible in a country like America, where we have so many people who claim to follow Jesus, that, and you're a pastor, so you, 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 you understand your people. Mm. How is it possible that that could be, that he could say something like that, that nobody has done that for me? It's, it's quite a statement, isn't it? And, and I think the point is that it, too often we feel incompetent in and of ourselves to affect any impact. But who lives inside of us, Bob? <laughs> the living God, you know? I tell people, yes. you, got the, yeah. you got the three-meal deal. You know, you got the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, <laughs> and uh, He is able both to raise the dead and to equip us and empower us to do things that we never thought possible. So right. let's listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Um, be sensitive to the Spirit of God. And it was just, for me, it was like, he needs to be encouraged. He needs prayer. And and so anyways, that was the beginning of the building of the bridge. Um, and uh, so he's he's growing in his walk, his faith. And um, and we're also having a great time over breakfast, which which I buy. And then he goes, hey, how about if I buy next time? You know, so yeah, right. it begins a yeah. reciprocal relationship. And it, he's become a, a great, a great friend. Well, Jim, you, you know, you've been a pastor. So what can, you know, and this is my heart too, yes. is discipling pastors yes. to disciple their people. Yes. Um, because it shouldn't be us just doing it, you know, as leaders. No, absolutely. Setting an example. We've, we've got to motivate our people. How, how would you, how would you do that? Well, again, I I just spoke last Sunday on um, the uh, Jesus loves the lonely, John chapter four, yeah, and that beautiful that beautiful picture of Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman, and and the end of the point was Jesus loves the lonely. I, each one of us have experienced loneliness. Um, loneliness is a common denominator within our culture and, and country. And my point was, if you want to make a friend again, you remember this? You have to be a friend, right? Right. So let's not sit there and go, oh, they'll probably, they don't need a friend. They don't, they do. So yes. make, take that first step. And I encourage them. There are lonely people sitting right, right next to you, across the street, down the street, just next door to you. Just say to someone who looks lonely, hey, would you like to have a cup of coffee? Can we get together? How how are things going on? Your family, whatever it may be, and reach out of ourselves to reach into someone else's life, and God right. will bless that. He's already, he's already going before us. So find a need, and fill it, whatever that need may be. Yeah, maybe that needs to be part of our daily intercession in our time alone with the Lord. Lord, open my eyes. Yes. We know there are lonely people all around us. Father, open my eyes to see it. Amen. And and then help me to respond. Amen. I, I walked out of uh, a grocery store in Camp Verde. There's only one grocery store, by the way. And this woman was in a truck and she's sitting right in the parking lot, you know, in the driveway in front of the front doors. She can't start her truck and just cranking it. 
and I'm looking around and, you know, I'm 62 years old and I'm, I'm okay in shape and so forth and so on. But I'm thinking, is anybody going to help that woman? And that's usually our first thought is anybody. And God goes, yeah, how about you, pal? (laughs) You know? (laughs) And so uh, I reached out in the back, started pushing the back and pretty soon somebody else saw it and goes, Hey, let me give you a hand, buddy. And so I think that's the first step, you know, just, just as the old vantage points or the old, you know, sermon statement, uh, God doesn't need your ability necessarily. He needs your availability. Just say, yes, yes. I love that. I I can do that. I can push a truck, you know, and the woman in tears afterwards said, thank you so much. And I'm walking back to my car, and these people are almost – I thought they were going to have a little party for me. You know, I'm thinking, <laughs> I didn't, what did I do? I just pushed the truck. Yeah. Hey, you know, let's let's be truck pushers or let's right. – let's, if somebody's in the need in the grocery store, let's lend a hand. Here's another thing, Bob. When we're checking out and they have – there's customer service, look at name tags and just say, hey, Bill, how are you today? Thank you so much what? for what you do. And I'll yeah. see people's face light up like the guy knows my name. And I'm <laughs> and, and I'm like, yeah, how did you know my name? I've had that. I said, yeah. I have extrasensory power. No, I said, actually, you got a name tag on, you know. Anyways, it's. Yeah. For those of you who are listening and or watching, um, this is the kingdom and his stories. And we have. um can I call you Pastor Jim or just... Uh... You can just don't call me late for supper, brother. You know, okay. <laughs> call me. <laughs> uh, Jim Ba, who is, um, has been involved in Christian ministry for a long time. And we're talking about his experiences of, of being and also equipping God's people to be more conscious of how to be Jesus' hands and feet as a lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. Not as something that we occasionally do. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Jim, any? What about like yesterday or the day before? Something that that God called you to do to to be Jesus' hands and feet. Well, I'm gonna, if I may, tell you this story. This is this is incredible, and it's not it's not what happened to me, but it happened to by a friend of mine. Okay. Um, he was speaking on uh, John six. You know, Jesus breaking the 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 loaves and and feeding the twenty thousand people or whatever it may be. Right. We call that kingdom mathematics. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's breakfast with Jesus. How's that? Yeah. You know. So. Right. So fish sandwiches for life. But, anyways, the the point that was so cool is he said, you know, the little boy brought uh, what he had to Jesus. And and Jesus used it. And his point was, what do you have? And a lot of times we say, I don't have anything. I've oh, never I, been to yeah. cemetery. I mean, seminary. I just, I can't, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. And so he said, what do you have? And there was this dear woman. This has happened in Indonesia, the largest, the most populated Muslim country in the world. God is moving powerfully, Bob, there, as you know. And this woman said, I have a refrigerator in her village. She was the only person who had a refrigerator. Mm -hmm. And she said, Jesus, if you can use my refrigerator, I give it to you. Well, she told her neighbors, if you ever need any ice, come over and see me. I've got I've got ice. Pretty soon they had she had people dropping in all the time. And then 
while they came, when they came, you know, you know what I'm saying. They, she always says, "Hey, would you like some cookies? Would you like some tea?" Right. Right. And she began to share. Why are you doing this? Well, it's because of Isal Masi, Jesus, the Messiah. I love him, and I want to make things available. Bob, there is a a God loving, Jesus following fellowship in that village today because G- because that woman said, "Here's my refrigerator." Amen. Amen. So I think that's really the point. What do we have? You say, well, I don't have anything. Yes, you do. You got a smile. You got hands. You got feet. Um, and just I think that's Romans 12, right? Give everything. Just give it to the Lord. And the Lord, like like a hand and a glove, a glove has no power in and of itself. But you, you fill it with a hand. Guess what? It can do some pretty cool things. I so, love that. So, Jesus, just fill my life and lead me. And help me to see needs around me. Make me sensitive, as you said, to the Holy Spirit. And I'm here to help meet those needs in relationship to my gifting and my ability. And God will use us in ways we never thought possible. Yeah, sometimes I think that when we think, you know, of the answer to that question, what do you have? We think of material things. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't have any extra cash. Um I don't have any refrigerator to give away. I don't right. I don't have something material. And you know, I think in our materialistic society, that's our fallback understanding of what do we have. Right. Instead of just recognizing like your hand in the glove illustration, it's you. Absolutely. That's the most important thing that you have is you. Absolutely, Bob. Not 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 the material things that you have. And I'd encourage those listening today who feel like I, I can't, God cannot use me. I'm unusable. I'm untrained. I'm on this. It's just simply the first step is to say, here, here, I, here I am, right? It was Isaiah, here am I, Lord. Yes. Send me, use me in whatever way. And, and God, I'll guarantee, like the guy, remember those commercials, you know, buy my suit. It's quality. I guarantee it. You know, I'll, I'll guarantee this. That if you say yes to Jesus, just open my eyes to help me see needs around me that I can meet with the love and light of Christ. God will use you today. Yes, and I think that your reminder of Isaiah is so important. Yeah, because absolutely. he didn't come with clean hands. No, no, and he said, "I am a man of unclean lips." Yes. I'm not, in other words, I'm not worthy. I'm not the fourth member of the Trinity. And by the way, there aren't any. So we're, we're broken people put together by a Savior who's all put together. Yes. And, yeah. and so even in our brokenness, we don't want to admit, hey, I'm broken. But in that admission of brokenness, there are other people who say, I am too. And, and together we can, we can become whole, you know, as we serve and help each other. Actually, I think one of the one of the quickest and most effective ways of healing is to serve others in our brokenness. I, I agree with you, Bob, 100%. It's just, it's like, you know, no, I have to fix myself first. I'm too broken. No. I can't, I can't do anything because I have unclean lips. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, God says, no, no. There's a there's a beautiful illustration, a couple. One is Erwin McManus's point to say it only takes one percent to move from a 
a giver, or excuse me, a taker to a giver. You know, you're 51% giver. That's better than, <laughs> than being a taker. So be a giver. The other point that I heard one time, and I've never forgotten it, is, you know, you and I have traveled internationally, and we've seen those beautiful churches in Europe and, and the glass, the stained glass window and so forth. And, and uh, one individual said, you know, the beauty of that stained glass window comes from brokenness. And it comes from when those broken pieces of glass are stained with color and they're put in the light of the sun. It's that brokenness that produces a beauty that people well, are awed by. And it's our brokenness put together by a Lord, our Savior who loved us. We've been washed with his precious blood and we can demonstrate his love to a broken world who can see beauty and be drawn to Christ even in our brokenness. Amen. Amen. Another story, Gary. Well, one one final story would just be this. Um, when you go to a restaurant, um, ask folks how you can pray for them. Uh, it doesn't have to be a big preacher thing, but just simply said, hey, we're about ready to pray. Are there any prayer requests that you might have? I have not had anyone reject me. Of course, they're waiting on me, right? So they'd like a tip, but... Um, that's a practical step that you can take. Um, Look across the street, look down the street, and say, are there any needs? It might be getting the lawnmower out and mowing a yard, whatever it may be, but you can do it in Jesus' name and minister to those who may really be benefited by that. Yeah, I have some friends, Judy and I have some friends, and, um, and they have made their local restaurant their ministry. Mm. And they go there several times a day just for coffee. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> have built relationships Absolutely. with the staff there. Absolutely. For those of you who are listening, you're listening and watching the Kingdom and its stories. May God bless you as you try to implement being Jesus' hands and feet. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.